We talked last week about an invasion of light. And I chose that particular trailer because everywhere that this invasion was going, there was just light penetrating. There was music going. And one of the things, I don't know about you guys, I love, I love the lights at Christmas. You guys love the lights at Christmas? We, a couple weeks ago, my, my family and I, we went to the wild lights at the Columbus Zoo. You guys ever been, have you guys ever been there? I was telling somebody earlier today, if you decide to go, go early. And the reason you should go early is because we went there last year right at dusk. Got there just as things were getting dark. Went through, man, it was a perfect night. Had a good time. As we come walking out of the zoo, after being there for a couple, three hours, there's not a whole lot of animals to see because most of them are sleeping, but the lights are pretty. And they do this like, they've got this orchestrated light thing around the, the, the pond there in the middle of the, the, the zoo. And that's pretty cool. And so you just walk around and see the lights and stuff. And uh, we came walking out and it, as far as you could see, I mean, out the, the, the gates, I mean, there's just this sea of people. I mean, shoulder to shoulder, sh- almost all the way out to the parking area. And I thought, those people aren't going to get in. So if you go, it's an amazing time. We had a really good time. My, we, we do a, a normal excursion every, every year where we go and we drive, we drive around. Any you guys do that? Drive around, look at the Christmas lights, throw in your favorite Christmas CD or start singing carols in the car all on your own or, or something like that. Turn over one of those uh, radio stations that are playing nothing but Christmas music and drive around town and to the particularly nice areas of town where you can look at those houses that you, you don't live in and that kind of thing and, you know, look at the lights and all that. I, I love that. I love the, all the lights. My, my kids and I, we were driving around uh, the outside of Chillicothe the other day on 35, and there's the star beaming across downtown Chillicothe, and it just, I mean, I just get, I just get crazy excited when that's going on, and, and so we're talking about the light, and, and, and um, the reason I chose that particular clip was because of this, you saw that light around, but the thing I wanted you to grab a hold of was there were, there were messages being sent well before that invasion took place. I don't know if you remember the, the, the story in the movie, the, Richard Dreyfuss has never been an artist or a sculptor, a sculptor. A sculpture. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I have bad English sometimes. And um, he he starts to, to start starts to to mold this this uh, image of this mountain, and nobody can figure it. He the, you remember the one time he's sitting eating dinner, and he like starts turning his mashed potatoes into a sculpture. Do you guys remember that? A sculpture. And then there's this little boy is he's playing. This little kid is playing the song before anybody knows what the song is on this little piano keyboard thing he's got at the house. And mom's drawing a picture of the same mountain, and, and they're trying to figure out what's going to happen. But just like in the movie, before that invasion took place, long before anything else was known, God began to send messages that this light thing was about to happen. That this light invasion was going to transpire and begin to talk to many people, getting them to converge at one point and one place in time. And he was letting them know where it would happen, who it would be, why it would happen, and all those things well before it ever happened. The melodies of heaven began to ring out years and years and years before the actual event took place. People began to write things down that were very significant and important to that unveiling of that light, that invasion of that light. And so it's very pertinent that in our close encounter with Christ that we realize who exactly that he is. 
I don't know if any, oh, I know something else I forgot to tell you. If you guys, you remember the packets we gave you last week to give away, to share the light of Christ with someone this Christmas? If you've given yours away, and I hope many of you have, there's a basket underneath the Christmas tree right outside those doors where you can grab whatever you need to get to the hands of other friends and family members and stuff like that ahead of time. We gave one to every person. If you've given yours away and you're just anxious to get something else, a Bible, a track, something about Christmas in the hands of somebody so they really get the meaning of it, Take one of those with you before you go and convey that light. Well, God is in, was anticipating this event well before anybody else knew what was going on. So I, I got a question for you. And you guys, many of you probably know the answer, but we're going di- to dive into it into details today. Who was this light that invaded the world? If you'll turn with me to John chapter 1, we'll begin there. We started last week in John chapter 1. And verse 14, I don't know if you caught the very end of the trailer, it says, we are not alone. And of course, they're talking like about extraterrestrial life and stuff like that. Um, You know, I am kind of like a sci-fi buff, but I'm not so sure I give a whole lot of credence to a whole lot of alien adventures and things of that nature. So, um, we talked in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, says these words to us. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. One translation says he was full of grace and truth. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Let me ask you a question. How do we know? How do we know that this Jesus is that word that John described? How do we know that he is exactly the Son of God? had a conversation yesterday with someone, and the conversation was around, uh, around the fact that, you know, sometimes you have doubts. Anybody ever have doubts? It's okay to admit you have doubts every now and then, you know that? In fact, it's really impossible. If we had no doubt, there would be no faith required. If there were no opportunity for doubt, there would be no faith. Because faith is believing in things that are, are not seen. But we can have assurance on the inside of things. I'm going to get ahead of myself. I just got really excited thinking about something happened to me this week. I want to share it later, so bear with me before I get sidetracked. And sometimes we have to go with an act of faith. Sometimes we have to walk in the, in the, in the light of understanding. We don't get it all, all the time. But God leaves us real clear direction on what to do in the middle of that. He says, if you seek for me, you will find me. In other words, the requirements of seeking mean it's not always real clear. The purpose, you remember, you remember in the Chronicles of Narnia? They go, they go hide. Remember that? You guys ever read the books, all the movies? Any of the movies? And Lou, Lou goes hiding and she comes busting out of the closet before everybody realizes she was gone. You remember that? And they're like, we don't think you get it. In order to seek something, it has to first be lost or at least hidden. Am I right? And Jesus says, seek for me and you will find me, Jeremiah 29 says. You will find me. In other words, I'm not going to be completely clear. I'm always going to be completely out in the open. I'm not always going to be just right in front of you all the time. Seek for me and you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. And so how do we know that this Jesus that we've been reading about, this, this baby that was born in a manger, is that thing that God has been talking about through all of humanity's history? How do we know that? 
Jeremiah, in John 1, 4, we will find these words. The Word gave life to everything that was created. And His life brought light to everyone. Jesus, the Bible says the Word, it, it seems very ethereal here, doesn't it? The Word became flesh. The Word was life. But it's not named any names at this point, is it? The Word became human. We talked last week about how John came to be a witness of that Word. Well, in Genesis chapter 1, we're going to go down the path of trying to identify who this, this light, this Word was. John 1, 1 through 3, we remind these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. For some of you, you may feel like that's the description of your life right in this very moment of time. You may feel like it's empty, that it's formless. It has no direction. You may feel like your life is going no place really, really fast. You may feel like that things just aren't quite working out. Maybe, maybe in this moment of time, you are in your darkest moment, possibly. But listen, God doesn't leave that, that, that creation of his in that state. Listen, read on with me. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Maybe today there's something going on and you can't quite figure out where God is or what he's doing, but I will assure you of this, that he is hovering over the darkness of your life. He is hovering in the vicinity. He is working right now in your circumstance, in your situation. He himself is watching over you closely. And at just the right moment, he is going to speak and things are going to change. Genesis 1-3 says, Then God said... In the middle of that darkness, in the middle of that moment, in the middle of that stuff, God said, let there be light. And the next line breathes all the hope we need to. And there was light. Bam! God speaks, things happen. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Listen, when God speaks to your, your life, speaks into your circumstance, speaks into your situation, things happen. I love that. About God. Listen to this. Remember Genesis 1.26? God said, Genesis 1, 3 says, God created, right? In the beginning, God. The Spirit hovered over the face of the deep. God spoke. We go back to that word spoken. The word moving the word having action, the word doing something, and light happens. And in Genesis 1.26, it says, God said, let us make man in our image. Is that what he said? To be like us. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Of all creation, let me straighten out some things for you real quick. Right here in the middle of Christmas, God cared enough about you that he sent you his son, Made in an image like you. You were made in his image, and he turned around, Philippians tells us, and he came in the image and the likeness of man, in the likeness of a servant. God loved you so much, he did not come. Listen, God, let me give you a little more hope. God didn't um, send a cow or a dog or a worm. He did not send... Any other created thing, he created his son, and he did create his son. He sent his son, 
Sent him in the form of a man. God said, let us make man. And check this out. Later on in Genesis 1, the Bible says God took man of the dust of the earth. All the rest of creation, God just merely spoke and it happened. But in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says God formed man. Each one of you, the Bible says, before you were ever thought of, God began to know who you were. And when you were being formed in your mother's womb, God took you and formed and fashioned you. And he didn't just stop there with the forming and the fashioning. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, He, God himself, breathed into the human race the breath of life. You are not on the same plane. I know there's some legislation and stuff that's trying to make human beings nothing more than animals, and we're trying to corral everybody. And her, Listen, listen to this. God, you, you are not on that same plane. God said all of his creation was good. But he said when he looked at man, the Bible says, if you can read on, God saw it was very good. When God created us, he did something special. The book of Psalms says this. Who are we that he's mindful of us? He has made us a little lower, the King James Version says, than the angels. But actually the, the, the Hebrew word there is the word Elohim, which means gods. He's made us a little lower than the gods. We're not, we're not on the same level as the rest of creation. We, are, we as human beings are the crowning moment in creation for God. We are created in his image. You are not some piece of sludge flowing around here on earth. You are not some 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 worm that crawled about out of some slime in a puddle someplace. You're, you're, you have hope beyond that. You were created for a purpose. God knows you and he loves you. He cares about what's going on in your life at this moment and this period of time. And whatever is going on in your life, he can handle. So how can we be sure that in, in light of that, we know God said there was the word in John chapter 1. How can we be sure that this word, this Jesus is truly that word? Well, God began to send a messianic calling card. He began to set some things in order well before things transpired so that as the, as the details would become clear, men could be sure that what, what he said was true. Is that cool? Genesis 3, 14 and 15, this is right after the fall. This is, man has messed up and messed up royally. And God leaves the very first calling card moment, the very first point. Right after the fall, he begins to say, I'm going to set things in order, and here's how I'm going to do it. So you will know as it begins to transpire what's going to happen. Genesis 3.14, the Bible says, Then the Lord God said to the serpent, who was the tempter of the woman who made her fall, who gave her the, the encouragement to fall, Because you've done this, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild, you will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. Now here's where the calling card moment happens. And I will cause hostility between, between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. Let me tell you one thing, one moment right here in time. If you would go back to the beginning and read the rest of Genesis, every place on the planet where they do genealogies, it always follows the man's line. Always follows where the man came from. It was his son, his dad, his, and it goes back, his grandpa and his great-grandpa and his blah, blah, blah. And that, you guys know that? Are you with me so far? In this moment, he says it will be the seed of the woman, not the man, that will, 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 will begin to de decide, be the deciding thing. He will strike your head, the seed of woman will strike your head, and you'll strike his heel. You, he will, one translation said, he will crush your head, you old nasty serpent. 
the offspring of the woman. If you go back and read even Jesus' genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 3, you'll find that the one says, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. And then it will say, there's like three points in there where it says, who was the wife, who was the husband of Rahab? Who was the husband of so-and-so? And three points where the women are briefly mentioned, but the, the line follows the man. Luke chapter 3, it goes backwards. This was Jesus, who was the son of Joseph, who was the son of this, who was the son of that, who was the son. All the way back to Adam, it follows the genealogy backwards. Now, what's significant about that? The significant thing is this. God was saying right here in Genesis chapter 3 that there will be a significant event. This will be not the seed of a man, but the seed of a woman. How is that possible? I want to alleviate some doubt for you today. We have this, we have this thing called the virgin birth, God gives it clear direction as Isaiah 7, 14. It reads like this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. We are not alone. He shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. He will be born of a woman, no man involved. He begins to, to decipher how this is going to take place. See, God chooses this guy named Abraham. Out of the whole world, the, the fall has happened. Men continue to, to, to multiply and grow throughout the earth. And God chooses this guy named Abraham. He says, I'm going to make a nation out of you. And he pulls Abraham out. And then once he pulls Abraham out, they develop this great nation of millions of people. He picks that one nation. Then he picks one family. He chooses his family of this guy named David from that nation, Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in, the obey, in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make decisions based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor, make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force. Listen to these words. I love this. We're talking about the word. The earth will shake at the, vo at the, the force of his word. With one breath from his mouth, he will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like a garment. Remember what John said? He will be of grace and truth, righteousness and faithfulness. He said he will be all of those things just like Isaiah said. Now here's an amazing thing. Not only does God say it's going to be a, from a woman, she's going to conceive uh, miraculously, not only is it, I'm going to tell you what family it's going to come from and what nation it's going to come from, I'm going to give you the location of where he's going to be born a hundred years ahead of time. Not a hundred, hundreds of years ahead of time. Micah 5.2, Bethlehem is where you'll find him. But you, Bethlehem, oh, I love this. Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. I want to tell you something. This was miraculous all by itself. Not only is God, God always works outside the things that are normal. Always. He just doesn't do things the way we would do them. He follows the wrong lineage. He's talking about a woman instead of a man who's going to be the, the key here to, to making sure that the, the, the human beings are, are reconciled, a seed of a woman. He, he, he picks out a family. He picks out a, picks out a nation. And he picks out a place. In order to get this place to happen, he has to shake an entire empire. God moves an entire empire to see to it that the prophecy of his son being born in a particular place happens. 
look at it and say, well, you know, Josh, J- Joseph and Mary just had to pack up and leave to go to Bethlehem because that was Jerusalem. But listen, God dislocated the entire empire to get Jesus to be born in Bethlehem so that prophecy would be fulfilled. Now, let me say this to you. If God goes into that kind of detail, what detail in your life is too big for him to handle? If he would move an entire empire, he had the, the Bible says he has the hands of the king, in the heart of the king in his hands. He can move a, an evil, nasty, messed up, pagan guy named Caesar Augustus and demand that a census be done so that everybody has to move places to get his son born in Bethlehem. What is too difficult for God? Ever, my wife and I went and saw a movie Friday night and... Uh, one scene in the movie, there's this, there's this archway. And as the, the guy walks through the archway, there's these words over top of the archway. It says, with men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. David city was Bethlehem. Joseph and Mary didn't live there. God chose them to be the, the parents of his one son, and he packs up the entire empire. The whole empire had to go back to their homeland to be counted. The entire place, from, from all the way across the Mediterranean, all the way through what the, the known world time, the whole place had to pack up and move just so that one detail could be handled. Isn't that awesome? If you are in question at all about how much God loves you and whether he is who he says he is, listen, I want to show you a piece of video footage real quick. Uh, Just, 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 how many guys like, you guys remember watching Schoolhouse Rock? Huh? Remember Schoolhouse Rock from Saturday mornings? Kids get so gypped these days. They miss classic stuff like that. You know what I mean? I love Schoolhouse Rock. Well, there's a ministry that developed a Schoolhouse Rock-esque sort of a thing that kind of dis- that, 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 that shows this information in a detail, very simple, but I can get it. So if I get it, I know you can get it. Let's watch this really quick. How do you know what's true is really true? That's where the evidence comes in. Christ's offer to turn you into a new person is real, if his claim to be God is true. So let's consider the evidence of eight prophecies proving his claim is true. Do you know what the probability factor is of only eight prophecies being fulfilled in Jesus? No. One in ten to the seventeenth power. One in ten to the seventeenth power. Huh? That's one in ten to this many times. I don't get it. If you were to take ten to the seventeenth power Girl Scout Thin Mint cookies. How many? That's over a quintillion cookies. And spread them across the state of Texas. Yeehaw! They would cover every inch of the state and form a pile of Girl Scout Thin Mint cookies two feet deep. That's a lot of Thin Mints. A whole lot of Thin Mints. Now take one more Thin Mint and lick all the chocolate off, toss it into that pile and stir the whole thing up. Blindfold yourself, walk the entire state from Amarillo to Laredo, stopping just once to stoop down and pick a single blind Thin Mint cookie. Got it. Take off the blindfold. Aw, nuts. The chances of you picking the chocolateless cookie is the same as the chance that one person could have fulfilled just eight prophecies about Jesus in one lifetime. That's crazy. It's unthinkable. But Jesus Christ did not fulfill eight prophecies in one lifetime. Whoa. 
He fulfilled over 300. 300, And 29 of them in just one day. The prophecies are historically documented. The facts that actually happened to Jesus are historically documented. There's only one thing left to do. I know. For me to weigh the evidence. It's all part of the evidence. Because if it is true that he is the Son of God, what he offers you, a new life in him, is real. Now I know it's real, whether I believed it or not. It's all part of the evidence. sure if you caught that or not. I don't know if you can imagine thin mint cookies stacked too deep covering the entire state of Texas. I don't know if you like thin mint cookies. I would prefer the peanut butter kind. That's just me. And being able to reach in and pull out the exact one just eight prophecies, that's the, that's, that's the statistical chance that one person in one lifetime can fulfill just eight prophecies spoken ahead of time. Jesus fulfills 329 of them in one single day during the course of his death. 29 prophecies ahead of time. Now listen, if that is the truth, if that is absolutely real, then you are at a crossroads this morning. Because you could have been playing church all of your life. You may have been playing church for the last few years. You may have been, but if he is really God, if he is really who he is, if he was the light that invaded, then you can no longer just keep living life the way you've been living it. Whether you're a Christian or not. See, if he is God, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, right? Right, 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 right. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In Him was life, and in that life was the light of men. Suddenly today, Christian or non-Christian, if you have come to a deeper awareness of that, you can no longer remain the same. All of a sudden, your life can no longer be your own. Because some of us have areas where we've not let Him be God and King. Even though we've believed, even though we've said prayers, even though we've walked and we've been at church and we've done all those things and we've done mission trips and we've done all that stuff, there are still areas of our life where, where we've not allowed him to be God and King. We've not allowed his light to penetrate that dark area of our lives. Jesus actually fulfilled 300 prophecies ahead of time. I don't know what the statistical probability of that is, but if just eight or like one and and 10 to the 17th power, a quintillion, or whatever he said it was. Ah! What else do you need? Those of you who are like logical, skeptical type people, what more do you need to know? I don't know. I, 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 I wonder. You know what? The funny thing is, God wanted to be, 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 con, be convincing. And so we talked about last week how that light invaded and how God came to the, to, the, to, to the lowest people on the totem pole, on the ladder, the shepherds who were out working that night. Remember that? From how light invaded. Well, God gave another confirmation that this, this child that was being born that day in Bethlehem was not only the Savior of the world, but the king over every king. And we, we, we read this story and we, we, we think about it. One last confirmation. A royal visitation. A royal visitation. 
you guys remember this song? God rest ye merry gentlemen. God rest ye merry gentlemen. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Remember the story. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Something about something miraculous in the heavens. God rest ye merry gentlemen. There up in the sky, a star to follow. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Drawing people of high rank from a nation far away on a long journey. God not only sent word to the seers and the prophets of Israel, he sent words to people from other nations of royal lineage and high state to let them know, send them an invitation saying, listen, my son is coming. Be ready to acknowledge the moment of his birth. Be aware that I'm coming. Be aware that Emmanuel, God with us, is showing up. God rest ye merry gentlemen on your long journey following that star. Listen, it was customary in Jesus' day for royal people to send out announcement. We still do that today. How many of you guys have got birthing announcements and things of that nature that so-and-so is going to have a baby or has had a baby? That was a customary thing that in particular, royals and the elite of Jesus' day would send forth word letting people know that their children were about to be born. And there would be a celebration around the birth of those children. And that great gifts would be given. And, and, and royalty from all over the world would come and bestow great honor to a, to a, to a, to a, to a king, a prince that was, that was being born. And God does no less than the miraculous in that. I went to Kosai this week. We've had a, 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 a membership to Kosai for about the last year. Somebody was very nice to us and gave us a, a family. Family membership is about to run out, so we thought, man, Thursday is cold, rainy, nasty, windy. Man, day, we'll go inside, spend all day inside. So we went, we went to Kosai on Thursday, and they got a new theater there at Kosai called the Dome Theater, and it's like a planetarium. And we'd never been in it, and, and so myself and our two oldest went in because our two youngest will not, will not sit that long. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Three and almost uh, a little over a year and a half don't sit well in long things. And so me and the girls walked into this theater, and as we sit in this theater, the, 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 they're playing What Child Is This as we walk into the theater at Kosai. Oh, that was pretty cool. And we watched this movie called The Mystery of the Star of Christmas. I'm telling you this story because not only did God take the entire empire and move it to make sure his son was born in the right place, he took, listen, I, I could not believe my ears. I'm going to get ahead of myself. They went through all the explanations of what the star of Bethlehem could have been from a scientific standpoint. They know that according to the, 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 the things that were given in, in Matthew and Luke, what about what time he could have been born to about what time the gap was, dealing with when Caesar Augustus sent out a decree, when Sylvanus was governor, when Herod died, and they came with this, this time gap. They knew historically where it could have happened. And then they took all of the astronomical kind of signs, anomalies that could have taken place in that time period and began to chronicle, well, it could have been this. Could, there was a couple of comets that came by. There was this and that. And they get to the very final one. They say, what we think happened is this. They talk about how Jupiter and Saturn, check this out, come together three times in the year 7 B.C. Once in May, 
once in September and once in December, and to follow the, 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 the scriptural pattern that it took these guys on a long journey, most likely these astrologers from Persia saw this sign, they studied the stars, and knew because it was in the constellation Pisces, which is always denoted to the Hebrew people, that some great king was being born because Jupiter and Saturn were coming together. And I sat there and went, wow. Because I, I was fully intending, as any good Christian person, have to re-educate my kids after this scientific thing was done. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? And we're sitting there, and they said, they got through the, through, through the whole thing and explained that Jesus was probably born in, on September the 15th of 7 B.C., which is, check this out, which is right around Yom Kippur. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the earth. Ah! And probably they saw the star in May, began to travel up and around the desert. They had to go through that, that, that hideous place. They didn't have the supplies and the things to do that. Went up and around. By the time they arrived, it was December the 6th. Jupiter and Saturn were together again at that point in time. And they probably saw the baby in December, which is also, check this out, in Roman world, that would have been the, starting the festival of Saturnalia, which we get all our holly and Christmas. A lot of the Christmas presents we have come from that particular festival. Bam, they meet him right there. Wow. But here's what these, was the amazing thing. I could not believe my ears. At Kosai, I heard these words. They said, we've done our best to explain this, what we think might have happened. But if something's truly a miracle, there may be no explanation for it. And then as they scroll the thing on the, because the screen was the ceiling. As they scroll the thing on the screen, they gave, the writers were these two executive producer guys and Matthew and Luke. And I went, at Kosai. Wow, what child is this is playing in the theater as I walk in? And they give credence to the scriptural evidence of things that are going. And I went, wow. So here's what I'm here to tell you. This, this confirmation is huge because only God moved the entire empire. Me just finding this out on Thursday when this message was pretty much done, I find out that he did not just move the, the entire empire. He moved the entire universe. He put Pisces right at the right place. Saturn and Jupiter right at the right place. So that these royal people would come and bear gifts just like was the custom for a prince being born. Is that crazy? And this is the God that you serve and he pays attention to every detail of your life. And if he can do that, he can do amazing things in your life. Matthew chapter 2, we read about it. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. What? How's this? Micah chapter 5, verse 2. He'll be born in Bethlehem, right? How about adding like, you know, God said there was, that there would be light. God said let there be light, and there was, right? The, the final confirmation. He said you'll be born in Bethlehem. And just kind of like to, to say, yeah, like, like I, I told you so. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The very first words of Matthew chapter 2. During the reign of King Herod, wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? They knew it. They saw it. They brought gifts. In Bethlehem and Judea, the, 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 prophecy, the, the scribes and the seers told them, told King Herod. They went there. They, they'd seen the star in the east. It guided them to Bethlehem. They went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. While they saw the star, they were filled with joy. I suppose so. Me too. I haven't even seen the star, but I am. Feel a great joy. 
Jesus says these words. God says the announcement of, the, of his birth of his son by using a star. He doesn't use natural means. He doesn't send correspondence through the postal service. He doesn't send an email. He uses the stars of the heavens to declare an announcement of his son. And this is the God that you serve. He used supernatural means. And Jesus says these words in John 14, 9. He who has seen me has seen the Father. I suppose so. Huh? Shake up the whole empire, mess up the whole universe. Yeah, he's probably God. I got that. Even Caesar's got to do what he says. Even this Jupiter and Saturn got to do what he says. Even the rest of the constellations have to do what he says. So what's too difficult in your life? These guys came bearing gifts. I got sent this twice, and I almost used it last week, and I decided not to. And then I thought, well, maybe I ought to use it, send it again. I told you last week about me having, been, having worked in the retail business last week. I probably got some eyebrows and people going, what is Aaron talking about? He don't believe in like saying Merry Christmas. Or, no, I'm not saying that. I didn't say that. At all. Matter of fact, I made a point every place I go to make sure I say Merry Christmas. But I'm not going to, having worked in that environment, I am not going to choose somebody out because they don't. That's just me. I'm just saying. And because they're higher ups at Walmart or Kohl's or whoever, tell them they can't. I'm not going to chew them out because they said that. I might send Walmart a letter or Kohl's or something, but I'm not going to chew out the clerk because they didn't know Jesus. And if I don't show him, show them him, they may never know him. And it's not their problem. It's a higher up deal. I'll pray for them. I'll do things like that. Anyway, I got sent this this week. They come bearing gifts. What gifts could you give Jesus in light of his birth, in light of the announcement of his royal birth? Let me read this to you. It's got a letter from Jesus about Christmas. It has come to my attention that many of you are upset that folks aren't, are taking my name out of the season. Maybe you've forgotten that I wasn't actually born during this time of the year, and that it was some of your pre- predecessors who decided to celebrate my birthday on what was actually a time of pagan festival. We talked about that last week. Although I do appreciate being remembered any time, how I personally feel about this celebration could probably be most easily understood by those of you who have been blessed with children of your own. I don't care what, day you, what, what you call the day. If you want to celebrate my birth, just get along and love one another in big, bold letters, it says. Now, having said that, let me go on. If it bothers you that the town in which you live doesn't allow a scene depicting my birth, then just get rid of a couple of Santas and a couple of snowmen and put in a small nativity scene in your own front lawn. If all my followers did that, there wouldn't be any need for such a scene on the town square because there would be so many of them all around town. So I'll bring about the fact that people are calling the tree a holiday tree instead of a Christmas tree. It was I who made all trees. You can remember me anytime you see a tree. Decorate a grapevine if you wish. I, I actually spoke of that once in a teaching, explaining who I am in relationship to you and what each of your tasks were. If you've forgotten that one, look in John 15. I like this. If you want to give me a present in remembrance of my birth, here's my wish list. Would you like to know what, 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 what Jesus might say? I like this. Choose something from it. Instead of writing protest letters, objecting to the way my birth is being celebrated, write letters of love and hope to soldiers away from home. That's really a good thing to do. They're terribly afraid and lonely this time of year. I know. They tell me all the time. Visit someone in a nursing home. You don't have to know them personally. They just need to know that someone cares about them. Instead of writing the president complaining about the wording on the cards his staff sent out this year, why don't you write and tell him you'll be praying for him and his family this year. Then follow up. It'd be nice to hear from you. It'd be nice hearing from you again. Instead of giving your children a lot of gifts you can't afford and they don't need, spend time with them. Tell them the story of my birth and why I came to live with you down here. Hold them in your arms. Remind them that I love them. Pick someone that has hurt you in the past and forgive him or her. Number six, did you know that someone in your town will attempt to take their own life this season because they feel so alone and hopeless? Since you don't know who that person is, try giving everyone you meet a warm smile. It could make the difference. 
Instead of nitpicking about the retailer in your town, hall, town calls this holiday, be patient with the people who work there. Give them a warm smile and a kind word, even if they aren't allowed to wish you a Merry Christmas. That doesn't keep you from wishing them, wishing them one. Then stop shopping on, there on Sunday. I thought it was kind of a novel idea. The store didn't make so much money on that day. They closed while their employees spend the day at home with their families. If you really want to make a difference, support a missionary, especially one who takes my love and good news to those who never heard my name. Here's a good one. There are individuals with whole families in your town who not only have no Christmas tree, but neither will they have any presents to give or receive. If you don't know them, buy some food and a few gifts and give them to the Salvation Army or some other charity which believes in me, and they will make the delivery for you. Finally, if you want to make a statement about your belief and loyalty to me, then behave like a Christian. Don't do things in secret that you wouldn't do in my presence. Let people know by your actions that you're one of mine. This is my favorite part. Don't forget, I am God, and I can take care of myself. Just love me and do what I've told you to do. I'll take care of the rest. Check out the list above and get to work. Time is short. I'll help you, but the ball is now in your court. And do have a most blessed Christmas with all those whom you love and remember. I love you, Jesus. Wow. Wow. We can probably fix some things if we take those, that approach. I don't know who wrote that initially, but I thought it was pretty novel. This baby, he was the light of the world. The baby that was born invaded the darkness of the world, bringing light, changing our calendars, and altering the course of history. Isn't that amazing? He moved the empire. He changed the calendar. He moved the universe. And, he, and all of you, most of you know at this point how he's radically and miraculously changed your life. And if he did that already before, what's to stop him from doing another miracle and another thing in your life? What do you need for him to do in your life? What do you need for him to show up in? What darkness is hanging around your place that he needs to invade? Where can you let him in any further? What is going on that he can't take care of? You tell me. You tell me. This is what Christmas should be all about. A celebration of the light. The celebration of the reconciliation we have. The celebration of the restoration he hopes to give us. This is what it's all about. I am kind of wound up. I do like Christmas. I said that last week, and I really, really do. The real question is, has he invaded your world, and has he altered your story? That's the real question. And are there elements of your story you've let yet to let him alter? John 1, 4, the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Wow! The question is, is he with you? Is he with you? Because if you have been with him and all of a sudden you think he's not with you, he didn't walk away. You know why I know that? Because he says these words, I'll never leave, I'll never forsake. So if there's a distance between you and him, guess who, guess who, guess, guess who walked? I probably did. I know I have. Matter of fact, I'm not saying I probably, I have done that before. I have walked. In the wrong direction. I have walked away. There have been areas and pieces of my life I've refused to let him deal with. And because of that, it's created a separation. And he and I have grown apart. Not because of him, but because of me. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. God with you. God with me, God with whoever else is out there. That is what this time we've set aside to celebrate is all about. God with us. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. We're going to close in this capacity. 
I want you to think about what darkness, what things might be hovering around your life. I want you to think about what circumstances, situations are plaguing you, frustrating you, depressing you. I want you to think about the lives of loved ones that are really heavy on your heart right now. And I want you to think about Jesus being birthed into that life, into that darkness on this very day. If he would show up, if he would do something miraculous, listen to the words of this song.
darkness might be invading your family, what darkness might be invading your home or your workplace or your body or anything else. But I do know this. He is light, He is love, and He is grace. And He is ready at this moment to penetrate that. Maybe you've never met Christ. I don't know. I know we don't have any first-time visitors, but maybe there's just somebody here who's never said, you know what, Jesus, I really believe. I really do. I'm ready to go where you want me to go. Today's your day. Today is your day for the darkness to be dispelled. We'll talk next week about the power of the light. You guys come back and join me. That'd be okay. The power of the light. I mean, if we try to talk about that, we've unveiled who he is. We're going to talk about the power that he has. Is that cool? Would that be awesome? Can we do that next week? Would you join me in here? Stand with me if you would. If you're a leader, would you please come? And if you, uh, forward, and if you have a need, you need Jesus to penetrate the darkness of your life. You need somebody to grip arms with you, to grab hands with you, to, 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 to pu- help push you over that, that discouragement, that depression. Maybe you have some great need. Maybe you need a healing in your body. Maybe you need something to move in your family or in your workplace or something. Let us join hands with you. Let us grab a hand with you and let us pray with you and help make that connection between you and him. The Bible says if two or three of us agree together in prayer, he shall do what we ask in his name. And so we need for you to do that. Could you just play that song one more time? And, and won't you please allow Jesus to invade that dark air of your life? He is grace. He is love. He is light. And he can be birthed fresh and new in your life today if you'll allow him. Does he have to prove himself anymore? Does he have to make, it, make you aware that he knows every detail, every circumstance, every problem? Father, we come to you this morning, Jesus. We come to you understanding, God, that you are the light of the world. You are the confidence of our days. God, you are the stability of our times. And Lord Jesus, we look to you. Feel every bit of darkness with your light. Wherever it resides, wherever it comes from, whatever the root of it is, Lord, I pray your light would come in. Lord, I pray, Jesus, your grace and your mercy would fill every heart. I pray, Jesus, your truth would penetrate our thoughts. And God, you would bring transformation and life to us, Lord. God, during this celebration of your birth, we choose to concentrate on the fact that you are everything we have need of. There's nothing too difficult for you. There's nothing, God, you can't handle. There's no place in our area, in our life that you can't move and change. And so, God, we trust you when we look to you. Lord, we love you and we need you, Jesus. If you have need, let us pray with you.